Hey, what's up, everybody? What's up, guys? Hey, it's great to be here. Glad to have you here. Glad to have you here. So, Investor Drive Nation, uh, we have Corey Royce and his dad here, and we're about to dive in on uh, you know the origin story of Tom Royce and 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 he t- kind of got us started in all this, right, yeah. Corey? Yeah. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that, and then also how he got into real estate, and we'll see where we go from there. Yeah. So where uh, it all began. Where, huh? where it all began, and honestly, guys, uh, this we we attribute a lot. We don't probably tell you, but we attribute a lot of uh, getting into this our success to you because I mean I I didn't know anything about real estate until he told me, and then I was like, well, maybe he doesn't know, no offense, but I was like, I don't know if he knows that much, but then he was like, my dad does, and I was like, all right, I'm sold. That's all yeah. it took. <laughs> yeah, so he got, I guess, to just jump in. Yeah, let's just dive right in, but by the way, guys, we have a bunch of podcasts, a bunch of information, so please like, subscribe, and hit the bell icon um, for more content like this, but let's just dive right into it, the origin story of the OG. Go to InvestorThrive.com right now to check out some of our free training on how you can make money as a real estate investor or schedule a time with me so we can chat about our mastermind mentorship and how we can help you learn how to wholesale nationwide and grow your business. So yeah, so like I was saying, I got in started in 2015, 2014, 2015. And he had started before that, obviously, because I got started because of him. And uh yeah, I mean, I told Nate about it. We've kind of talked about our origin story a little bit. Yeah. But we got into it 2018. Me and Nate started wholesaling full-time. Um, and we got into it because I had done it a little bit before. And I started doing it because my dad started doing it. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about how you got started. Yeah. I mean, you, it's not like you needed to get into real estate, right? Like you had, you had a job? I had a job. Yeah, I was making some money. And, uh, but you know, tell, tell the people what you do, by the way, uh, or what I'm, you were I'm doing. A, I'm a physician. I'm a, my specialty is pathology. Okay. And what is that for the so investors drive nation that I, has no I idea? I basically look at tissues under a microscope and decide whether it's cancer or not. Nice. So I work with uh, other physicians, other surgeons and stuff that take stuff out of people. Do you, do you like it? I like it. Yeah. yeah. It's good. I like it. Okay. I like that. I don't have to see patients. Yeah, as goofy as that sounds. Is that just you in the lab? I have no idea what your day-to-day would look like. Yeah, so I go into the lab, and then uh, so I'll probably look anywhere from 20 to 30 cases. Hmm. And then uh, maybe out of those 20 or 30, I'll see like two or three cancers probably a day. Wow. And then uh, put uh, issue reports, and that goes out to the physicians who sent me the tissue, and then they talk to the patient about what's going on with them. Do you, do you, do, yeah, go ahead. Do you do any autopsies? Uh, no. That, we really don't do those anymore, hardly. Um there are some autopsies being done, but most pathologists don't do autopsies anymore. And you're kind of thinking of probably forensic autopsies, you know, the... Uh, CSI. Yeah, CSI stuff. We never did. I never did that. That's that's a different specialty. I mean, it's part of pathology, but it's additional specialty. It's more of a medical examiner type thing, and they work at medical examiner offices where I just work in a hospital, typically. Cool. So when you're looking at these specific, you said 20 to 30 cases, right? Yeah. Are these like, does each case have like a person's name? Like, hey, this is this is coming from Jody, or do you like, do you specifically yeah. know who? who yeah, yeah, yeah. You're so you, on? yeah, you know their name, their age, and you're gonna get some clinical information about them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we take all that information, and then we look and you know we figure out what we're seeing on, under the microscope. And sometimes we need radiology. Sometimes it's just pretty straightforward what it is. Uh, but other times we need to call the physician who sent it and get some more clinical information. You know. Cool. And, to know and what's going on. Is it just you in there that's making the final decision, or do you have to run it by maybe a couple other doctors? No, it's just me. Wow. So it's is that a lot of pressure. A lot of weight on you. It is a lot of pressure. Yeah. You know, because most people, so pathology is kind of the end of the line. Mm-hmm. So you might go, you might have some, you know, somebody, a patient might have some issue, you know, they, or they hurt somewhere. Mm-hmm. So they go to their physician, and then the physician tries to figure out what it is. Maybe sends them to radiology. Radiology does an X-ray of it. Radiology says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it might be this, it might be that. We should probably do a biopsy of it. So then they biopsy it, so nobody knows what it is yet. Wow. Has to go through they, a lot of hands. Yeah, they, like. so they biopsy it, send it to us, and then we dis- we tell them what it is. You know? Oh, you you're know? the last line so of defense. If, so if we're wrong, <laughs> that's a bad deal. Yeah. If we're wrong, it's bad. Yeah. But so, you're never wrong, right? Well, yeah, everybody makes mistakes, <laughs> yeah, obviously. That's true. But what we do is, so so hopefully you know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And so if I don't know something, so I look at probably out of 100 cases that I look at, mm-hmm. I probably send like anywhere from 10 to 15 to somebody else who specializes in that area that I'm looking at mm. on that particular patient. So, yeah, I don't I don't diagnose everything, 
uh, just the things that I know. Do you send you know. it to him to verify, or do you send it to him because you have no idea what's going on? Both. Sometimes just to verify. Like, I think it's this. You usually have an idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes, you know, rarely don't have any idea what it is. Yeah. And you just send it off to, you know, like a Mayo Clinic or, you know, somebody like that. Mm. Yeah. That's amazing to to learn about what you're doing because I I have no I have no idea how that works. I honestly, no, didn't even know that much. Nobody does. That's why podcasts are fun. You no, kind of dive deep in, in there. So it sounds like uh, you liked liked your job. Yeah. And you still like it. Yeah. Um, what what made you think about getting into real estate when you were um you know doing that? Well, so I looked at the, like the downturn in 2008, mm-hmm. and you know I was looking at like my money and what I'm doing with my money, and you know I was just headed in like mutual funds and stuff and a 401k. Got it. I thought, you know, that's is that a great way to, uh, you know, keep all your money in that? You never know what the economy is going to do and that kind of thing. So then I started looking at other things to do. And real estate was pretty interesting to me, like mm-hmm. fixing houses and stuff. So um, I start, had started another business. And in that business, a guy that was working in that business, he had actually flipped a couple of houses. Mm-hmm. So I talked to him a little bit about that and uh, said that I might be interested in doing some of that, too. So uh, our first, and I don't even remember what the years are. So this is probably like maybe nine or ten. Mm-hmm. And uh, he comes to me one day and he says, hey, I got a house. <laughs> we, we can flip it. <laughs> Just I like said, that. Yeah. I go, well, well, tell me about it. He goes, it's $12,000. <laughs> <laughs> this is in Hannibal, Missouri, oh, which is n- like north of St. Louis about an hour. Sounds like a nice price point. He goes, this is, tw- I mean, it, uh, Missouri is pretty cheap. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, uh, and this cheap. was, this is quite a few years ago. So like a normal like entry level house in uh, in Missouri or in Hannibal at that time was probably like a hundred and ten or twenty probably. Mm-hmm. So these are pretty inexpensive houses, right? Yeah. So he says I got a house for twelve, a house for twelve. We probably need to put ten in it. Wow. So I say oh, so we go and look at it, and so we end up buying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little more to that story. So I uh, I came home one day. I said, Hey, Carla, which is my wife. I said, Hey, where's our checkbook at? She goes, What do you need the checkbook for? I'm gonna buy a house. I'm gonna buy a house. <laughs> you just told her how it was tw- yeah. for twelve thousand. Wow! Be nice just to write a check for a house. <laughs> so a we uh, check. we ended up buying that house, and we were pretty excited about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we ended up actually doing a fair amount of not a fair. We did some of the work ourselves. Mm-hmm. I really which li- most people probably do in the beginning, right? Oh man, that was was that ter- the one on top of the hill? Yeah, that was, must have been twenty twelve because I helped. I helped with That's like the demo, right. and I helped. Yeah, that's pretty I helped right. fix that up a little bit. There you go. So I had my kids over there yeah. helping and stuff, and it was kind of fun. But, man, it turned into work pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs> pretty fast. Well, you know, the demos more work you, than I wanted yeah, to do. The demo is usually where you're, you're thinking it's going to be fun, and then you got to pick it up, and then it's downhill from there. No, it wasn't the demo. It Ooh. was actually, like, painting and oh that kind gosh, of stuff. Oh, gosh. That can, you know, yeah, that can be tiring. Just a couple hours of painting, and I had pretty much enough of uh, <laughs> fixing houses. Yeah, you know. seriously. Yeah, but seriously. We, ended up, we ended up selling that for... I don't know what we sold it for, actually. I think we made like 10 or 12 or 13 on it, mm-hmm. you know, which we were pretty excited. Yeah. You know, we were making did you money. split that? Because it took a lot longer than, than uh, yeah, basically, I think we did split it. Yeah. Um, I had to get the guy that was working with me. Um, we were basically partners. We never had really had a, uh, like a contract, but mm-hmm. through the years, we were, we were basically uh, 50-50 partners. So that was, that was kind of the beginning of that. Wow. So we did some more flips like that, some kind of cheap houses. We actually built a house. We flipped a, a pretty nice house in Phoenix. I think we bought it for like two twenty-five and sold it for like three something, made forty on it, something like that. Wow. And you said you built one, like a new construction? In Hannibal we built a new construction. Wow. Yeah. Just from the ground. You bought the yeah. lot and yeah. got the permits and everything? Yep, that was a mess. How was that? that was it was terrible. I don't yeah, that's that so what'd you end up making on it? Probably thirty. But a lot of work. Yeah, it was like six months of work. Mm -hmm. And I didn't do any of it. Mm -hmm. But the guy that was working with me, he did a lot of the work. So it took a lot of his time away from anything else that we could have been doing. Mm. So I don't advocate doing that. So it sounds like to me you had some discretionary income that you were trying to decide whether you should put in a 401k and other savings. And you're like, let me put it into real estate. Is that kind of what happened? You know, I wanted to build build a business. Mm -hmm. That was really the impetus for it. You know, I wanted to build like a real estate business, you know, where I would buy houses and, and, uh, you know, actually at that time I didn't know what wholesaling was. Mm -hmm. So all I knew was, you know, fix and flips. Yeah. So when did you get into the wholesaling? When did you find out? How did you learn about it? 
<laughs> I don't even just know. reading, studying, looking online. Maybe read, yeah, maybe reading about it, you know. And then, uh, so ha- we didn't really want to do it in Hannibal because the uh, the rents were like three and four hundred bucks a month. Wow. So you know, we didn't really see how we're going to make any money off of that. Yeah. So we went down to St. Louis, where you can buy back in the day. You could buy a house down in there. You know, pretty much like all fixed up for about thirty thousand, mm-hmm. and it rent for probably eight hundred, seven fifty, eight hundred bucks. That's a great return, yeah. Now the renters aren't the no, aren't, aren't the not. highest quality <laughs> renters, which is is a a major issue. You know, as far as like you know return on your investment. Shout you know. out to what was his name, Santino or Santiago? Sant- What's that the guy? The guy we went and he showed us around a property. Perez. Perez. Oh, Perez. Shout yeah, out to yeah, Perez. Perez. He yeah. goes. He he'd go collect that cash, that rent money yeah, in person. That's right. Perez. He? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> were, were most of the rents cash? Um, Did most people pay rent in cash? Oh, that's a good. We know we didn't own that many houses. Most paid in cash. Yeah, most paid in so cash. So I'd weird. be I'd be afraid to. Yeah. Hey, it's well, rent. We, we never took a check. Well, that's not true. There was one guy we took a check from. He paid every month. He, yeah. was, he was awesome. And check but is because they'll bounce, possibly, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. Yeah, you don't take a check. Yeah. So money order. Yeah, definitely. Venmo. Check. Pardon. Venmo. I'm sure Venmo's fine. We didn't if they can do figure that. It out. Yeah, we didn't do that. I'm sure that'd be fine now that's if a, they can figure f- it out. Yeah, that was a few years ago. So now you but said you back in the day you could get homes for thirty that were rented and ready to go. What, what is it? Do you know the scope now? What yeah, it looks it's like? probably in the forties, low forties for the same house now. Really? Okay, still so it's not that much not more. That, not that crazy, but no. so you're still dealing with still a bad great return. Yeah, yeah, but you got to have like the right property management. Otherwise, yeah. it's like it's a joke to yeah. try to make money. So hmm. you start. So you started flipping. You flipped like what three or four, five or six. Yeah, probably five or six. We did actually. We did one in Phoenix. We did one in Atlanta, and we did one in Tacoma, Washington. Wow, and these are all virtual flips where you weren't physically there. Yeah, to a large degree. Did you lose money on any of them? No, actually, we've never lost. We never lost any money on any of them. That's impressive That's a good track yeah. record. Yeah. So you sorry. So you did five or six flips. What? Um, when did you start wholesaling? And how did right that? After we got tired of doing the flips. It's usually what happens, It's so right? much work. Yeah. It's so much work. Yeah, I think if you don't have, like, the, I guess, like, a designated team, you're always looking right. for somebody, right? Right, right. Especially if you're bouncing from Tacoma to Atlanta. Right. I mean, you're really looking. That's why I feel like a nationwide flip model would be uh, very difficult. You, you, if Hard you're to find s- consistent workers here for us, even, yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't even, like, looking back, I can't remember a rationale. I think we were just trying to find, like, the deal. the market you know to like be in and then yeah. once we once we establish like hey we want to be in the Tacoma market like this is the best market in the world <laughs> you know then we're gonna stay in it but then we never build a team we never really what? found that market well you know <laughs> what, what do you what do you think about that market do you think a, a market exists that's like the best or do you think it's just no. wherever you plant your feet and you well they're pr- uh, you know just by definition there is a best market but the chances of you finding that market are pretty slim <laughs> you know. I think every market is, you know, you can do it in every market. Yeah. That probably depends on what you like and what you don't like. What do you mean? Like, kind of like if you like higher-end flips, you know, different markets will be good. Or if you want lower-end, yeah. cheaper flips, yeah. you know, you yeah. want things that will sell easy. Or it's, you know, maybe it's where it's harder to find a deal. Right. You know, or do you want to take like riskier options where it's harder to sell stuff, but deals are easier to come by? Yeah, yeah every 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 market's like. got that its own sense. peculiarities, you know. And you know, what's what's goofy is they always change too. So yeah. even if you know, like one market is good at one time for this, you know, it might not be like great for that, you know, six months from now, you know. So Jerry, uh, to to I agree with you. Joe was talking to Jerry. I was talking to him last week, and he was saying that he was uh, in St. George doing new construction in the. He, he was trying to get in the the higher end, you know, luxury flips. And, you know, he was capped at like one, 1. 1.5, 2 at that time. So he moved to Scottsdale where, you know, properties were, well, like in the threes and fours so yeah. he can make more money. So I think you're right. If you yeah. like that luxury high end, then, you know, L.A., you know, yeah, West, I, Coast, West Coast, you're not going to be able to get that in Midwest if you're no. trying to go high end, you no. know. St. Louis wouldn't even be able, you wouldn't be able to do it in St. Louis, although there are expensive houses, you know, but. 
There's not that it's not many a high end market like that though. No. So I have a question no. for you. With all the research you've done, and obviously you're well versed in real estate, do you have something specifically that calls to your attention now that you're like, hmm, I like that? You know, like, is it uh, wholesaling, fix and flip, high uh, high end luxury flips, uh, rentals, buy and hold? Do you have something? that you like over anything? Well, what I'm doing right now, so just to kind of finish off yeah, maybe the, the story. Um, so then we went to uh, wholesaling. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason we went to wholesaling is because St. Louis, that market down there, you know, like we said, we could buy a house for 30000 and rent it for 800 a month. Mm-hmm. So what we would do is we would go in and try to buy them for like ten and fifteen, turn around, sell them to somebody with the idea that they would fix them up or have their property manager fix them up. And we usually typically would bring the property manager into the mix with that person that's going to buy. Usually these are out-of-state buyers, too. Mm-hmm. We thought we could maximize our profit by buying, uh, having out-of-state buyers come in and buy them from us versus the people in town who knew that you could get them for 15000 yes, you know? Of course. So they weren't going to buy them from us for thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did that for several years. We did pretty well with that. Um, the only problem that it created for, my, me, for myself was at that time I stopped doing pathology so it wasn't enough money for me just doing the wholesaling mm-hmm. to support myself. So after quite a few years, we kind of stopped. I think the, the best year we had, we probably did a little over 300000 mm-hmm. Uh That's just in gross uh, income. That's good. So I don't know exactly what that was as far as, like, income to me, but mm-hmm. it wasn't enough for me to live yeah. on. Yeah, you uh, pathology makes good money. Five kids at home. Yeah, yeah. So Get, having you pay for their college and five kids at home and somebody uh, and the sixth was off at college. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Asking anyway, to pay for everything. So <laughs> I kind of I got out of it after that um, for about three years. Probably I wasn't doing any real estate mm-hmm. to speak of, and uh, so what I'm doing right now is uh, land. So I you know I do think that any you can really be successful in any aspect of real estate. You just have to, like, get into it mm-hmm. and, like, get after it. Yeah. And just realize that's not going to be easy. <laughs> no matter it what. It doesn't matter do. what, what aspect of it you want to do. It is not going to be easy. Yeah. You know, I think the, I don't know what the numbers are exactly for the numbers of real estate agents that get in because uh, they want they want to make, like, $8,000 on a house sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think only... 50% of them sell, like, one house a year. Yeah. And, like, 10% of them sell, like, almost all of them. Yeah, I was just talking to one of so my family members. So people get into it thinking there's huge money in it, but actually it turns out to be a lot of work. Yeah. You know? I was just talking to my uh, one of my uh, family members, and they say I think there's 7,000 agents in Utah right now, and a lot of them are noobs, yeah. obviously. So a lot of people are getting kind of... Um, I would maybe screwed over by getting a new agent and they don't not writing up the right contract oh, yeah. and you know so man that's tough yeah, yeah. but it always it always uh, it, everything always degenerates into work so just know that going into it well do you think a lot of people get into this business not thinking it's that much work like they they're oh getting, yeah yeah absolutely I did <laughs> I'm guessing I'm guessing Corey did yes yeah yeah. You probably did. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a lot more work than you think it's going to be. Well, it's interesting. It seems like the people that set themselves apart from the rest are the ones that can get the right systems and processes. Everyone says that. But, like, the right people behind to do the, the amount of work required to really build something out and, and crush it. Because if you if you think you can do it yourself, there, there are those one-off investors that have been investing for 20, 25 years, and they're well-known in their community. So people bring them deals. They have a good network. But if you're brand new and it's just you – yeah, it's gonna be hard to maintain. I think. Uh, oh yeah, I mean it, it'd be so <laughs> it'd be so hard to like just start on your own. Like we had coaching when we started. Mm-hmm. Um, it was good coaching. You know, I don't know. I don't know if it took as well as, as it could have. You know, right. I mean we've all done coaching. And we all think we've like, all done it. You know, we could have done a better job with the coaching that we had. You yeah, know? but. Uh, well, it's yeah, to do it on your own would be it'd yeah. be a nightmare. Well, usually coaching, they tell you um, what to do, but unfortunately, they don't do it for you. You know, and that's like the hardest part of the business yeah. is doing actually yeah. doing the actions, the yeah. changing the behaviors, right? Like changing your behavior to actually take the action. Like me and Corey talk about all the time. It's like, hey, we were just consistent with making five offers a day. Everyone in the company, yeah. we would be fine, yeah. or not even fine, but we would be crushing it. But you know, there's things that happen where you you know that five so offers a day. Yeah, so easy not to do it. 
and things, uh, you know, it's the whirlwind. We talk about it in the four disciplines of execution. Like, there's just right. so many things that happen. Like, I have virtual assistants that will ask me things, and I'd rather help them, you know, with that mi- minimal task than do something like make an offer sometimes. Oh, yeah. You, you definitely avoid the things you, that, you, you know, you don't want to do. Yeah. You know, and those are the actually the things that you should be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole procrastination thing is a, is a big deal. It is. It is a very yeah. So game. I always, you know, I've thought about coaching a lot. And uh, first off, you know, if you're going to get into something, you got to decide, like, you know what, this is. I'm going to do this. You know, no matter what, I'm not going to get into it and like stick my foot in and see if I like it or not. Yeah. You got to like commit yourself to being involved in it and to do it. You know, no matter how hard it's going to get. Know that it, knowing that it's going to get hard because you know nothing's going to come easy. Yeah. You know, you always think of. Uh, I remember. When I first started coaching, I thought, well, this will be like a recipe, you know. So I'm just going to, you know, the coach is going to hand me the recipe, and then I'm going to follow that, and it's going to be nirvana. I'm going to make all kinds of money. And yeah. Well, even when you're following a recipe, there's, there's still nuance to it that the only way you can do it is by, like, doing it over and over again, and then you start understanding the nuance, you know, and that's when you can really kind of start making some money. Yeah, me and Corey have talked about this a lot, how, you know, we've joined many coaching programs, and, yeah. you know, and it, just because one person starts an ad campaign on pay-per-click, it doesn't mean you're going to get the same results, even though they're teaching you exactly the same right. way they did it. You know, right. you might have the wrong clothes on the phone. You might have the wrong, you know, data. I mean, there's just so many things that someone can show you, but it's never exact. Right. Yeah, with our PPC campaign, we had it set up by our mentor. Like he set it up. He set it up for us. Right. Sean Terry almost set it up for us. Right. Almost all of our leads at the beginning were basically uh, robot leads like the phone numbers didn't work the emails didn't work and now we've made some tweaks and all our leads are still small towns so like we have the exact same campaign as he does yeah but one thing we don't have that's exact is we don't spend four thousand dollars a day on it that's true yeah well you know even if somebody sets it up whatever it's never going to be the same. Like you said, you know, you got different people answering the phone than he's got answering the phone. But even before different someone scripts. even comes to answer the phone, it's a completely different result. It's so. crazy, isn't it? Same thing with cold calling, right? Like, yeah. you know, you, you pull a list yeah, and you pull, skip trace that data and you get the cold caller. Maybe that one cold caller I have, for some reason, is feeling, was feeling froggy and did a better job than the other guy. So... That's interesting, you know. It's uh, that's business, right? It's who who can who's the greatest leader and who can help people, you know. Bu- I guess build that culture, build that business to get people rolling. Well, it's always like, you know, you want to you want to tweak the stuff that's not working, you know, and look for better ways of doing it. You know, you can't just come in and it's not going to just work like you want it to work when you first start out. You know, it's a process. You talked about you know somebody that's killing it that's been doing it for like twenty years. Well, I guarantee you, when they first started out, they were not killing it. No. They didn't start out killing it. They started out like everybody else starts out. Yep. Not knowing what they're doing and spending a lot of money and, and uh, you know, getting some returns and mm-hmm. being unhappy with the returns that they're getting, you know. I mean, everybody goes through that. Yeah. Uh, I wish it wasn't like that, right? But I guess it separates the people who can't stay consistent from the ones you that know, can. I, you know, I was, I, I don't, I, I kind of don't look at it like that. I'm kind of glad it's like that. Mm-hmm. And if it weren't like that, like everybody'd be doing it. Yeah. And if everybody were doing it, then then it wouldn't be there. Yeah, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be. You wouldn't be able to make money doing it. Obviously. That's uh. That's true. That's so true. I'm so I've kind of come around from. I'm not wholesaling anymore, uh, houses, but I'm wholesaling like raw land is mm-hmm. what I'm doing right now. I started this about six months ago, and I got a coach that I'm working with. Um. So we look for lots that are like uh, within within uh, communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, we look for lots that are right outside of, of communities, like maybe a new development. And we look for uh, they're not lots; they're just like acreage outside of cities where people want to go and and uh, maybe ride motorcycles or do whatever, put a camper on it or whatever. Oh, you know? cool! So this is just like raw land. The strategy behind it is. Basically, it's land that people don't really care about so much anymore. Maybe they inherited it. Maybe they've had it for a long time and just don't use it anymore, paying taxes on it. Uh, and, of course, 
that's not the majority. So you're kind of looking for that five percent of people again, just like you, you know, are just like you are in wholesaling. Um, so yeah, you identify. Uh, you know, uh, it's it's so the list that we pull basically, um, we look for lots. We look for uh, uh, um, absentee owners. Uh, in a certain area of the country, we look all over the country too. Mm-hmm. You basically do it by counties. You can you can get down into like zip codes and actually like neighborhoods too. But uh, so you look at like the number of solds versus the number of for sales. Mm-hmm. So you don't want it to be a really hot market. You don't want it to be a really cold market. You kind of want it to be somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then you send lists out. And like I've got a couple properties right now that I'm pretty excited about. I'm surprised I haven't sold them yet. But uh, I bought them for seven hundred bucks each. They're in a development in South Carolina. Really? Hey, by the way, I I got on a call. I was on with helping Jerry Norton with one of his coaching calls, mm-hmm. and someone has a lot, a five acre lot there. Uh, from he just closed the deal with a lady, and she's like, "Hey, I have a land. I have a lot for sale. Five acres in North Carolina, outside of Greenville and Wilmington, and I can't remember exactly. I don't know if you'd be interested, but maybe." Maybe you uh, you can sure. help out. It's just a bunch of woods. It's a deal. It's a wooded. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah if maybe I could link you up with him because he she yeah, wants to great. sell. That'd be great. She obviously probably wants to. She, she wanted fifty five thousand for five acres, and you if you're getting them at seven hundred, then <laughs> well, it depends. You know. <laughs> yeah, maybe you could I mean, talk to her. It though. just depends. So, so the the I'll, I'll tell you about three of them that I've got. So this one uh, couple own these two lots in a development that started about 30 years ago, mm-hmm. kind of went for about five or six years, and then nobody nobody built there anymore. So mm-hmm. people have been paying these POA fees, which you pay no matter whether you've got a house on it or not every month. Gotcha. And so some people are getting a little tired of paying those after 20 years, so. which is this couple. Oh, yeah. And theirs was the, they had two lots on golf courses, and I paid like 690-something for one and 700-something for the other. Well, they're probably, you know, like retail value, they're somewhere in the thirty to 35000 range. Wow, yeah. Um, and so ho- hopefully we can sell those in the next. We, we'll probably come down into the 20s on them. But Have you listed them? The Are you going to list them? Yeah, I've got, I've got them listed right now. Oh, because they're listed and, right now. Yeah. And you bought them for $700. Pardon? You getting a lot of traction? That's another learning experience right there with the <laughs> with the realtor trying to figure out, you know, just what's happening with them. Yeah. So his stick is he's telling me, like, well, I can't really tell, like, how many people have, like, looked at it because nobody can leave cards because mm-hmm. it's raw land. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking, uh, well, somehow you got to be able to tell, like, yeah, if you people are somehow, looking at it, right? Has anyone called you about it? That's I guess that'd be the only way, right? So I was worried that I'm gonna I was gonna lose these because I just had them under contract. So I was worried I was gonna lose these. So I had actually been working out in Florida. So I drove up and bought the two lots from these this couple. I was uh, probably five hours away. You wrote so a check once, or cash? Uh, what did I do? Actually, I gave him cash. <laughs> <laughs> I gave him cash for a quick time deed. Yeah. That's awesome. Because I didn't want to lose them somehow, like have them find some other buyer, you know, that God, came and bought them. Sounds like a good deal. Know, so. $700 for I'm land? I'm pretty sure I'd get my money back from that. I and mean, if you don't, I mean, chalk it up to. Yeah, whatever. I mean, how much could I lose? Yeah. Well, how much are the fees? Do you know every yeah, year? Yeah, it's about 140 bucks a m- uh, month. That's pretty pricey for yeah. just random land. For no house. For a $700 lot. For no house. That's a lot. Wow. Yeah. Well, we we're it's on a golf course. Yeah, yeah. Well, we hope you sell. I'm them. looking for more. We want I'll you. To, we want to get you back I'll here when you do. And we I'll don't see. I'll about hopefully, it. you can get at least a thousand for each one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's awesome. No, I'm gonna. Well, there's no way I'm gonna make less than twenty five each on these. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll have the realtor to pay. I want to pay the realtor ten percent. Ten percent. Yeah, because it's low dollars, oh. so they won't do them for that makes less sense. than that. Okay. If you want them to do anything with them, you know. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, when you're in that low range. I had another one that I bought. These were in South Carolina. I had another one, a really good deal that I bought. It was on a, on a, like a reservoir in Tennessee, mm-hmm. right on it. Uh, it was probably like 1.4 acres, I think. Uh, had it under contract for 21,000. Talked to another realtor who knew like the area. She said, "Well, we could probably, you know, in a perfect world, get 75 for it." People that have asked for offers, they got to get offers out too. Like Wish si- we were like begging si- us for offers. Like sitting there right now, you know. And there's probably a couple of deals in there, you know. 
One of the other interesting things about uh, land is uh, a lot of the a lot of the stuff that you sell, you'll sell on owner finance. Mm. So you know, I'll buy it for a thousand, and I'll put it under owner finance for you know ten thousand. I'll sell it to it for ten thousand. They'll put one thousand down or somewhere close to that, you know, and then get two hundred bucks a month for you know, whatever the numbers work out. To so be. you'll sell it on a s- owner finance or yeah. you'll, you could probably even buy it on owner finance from the seller. <laughs> well, you're buying so cheap though yeah. that, you know, you can, you're not going to owner finance a thousand dollars. Yeah. I guess if you the know. lots get more expensive, right? Yeah. Yeah. You but usually if they're more expensive, people pay cash for them. So they're not as owner financey. you know. Okay. What do you think the missing pieces in your business are right now? Like the top two, well, one or two. Uh, finding the areas that you want to send um, mailers to. It's it's through mail. It's not texting, yeah. cold calling. No, it's so the right market. You mean? Pardon. So finding a good market. Yeah, because you got to constantly be looking for them. Mm-hmm. You know, which includes going on Zillow basically, and finding out. You know, uh, the mo- the market's based on how many for sales there are versus how many solds there are. So it's got to be a market that is active enough where you can actually sell the property, but it can't be too active where everybody in that market, the owners of those properties, know that the market's hot, so they're not going to sell it to me for seven hundred bucks. You know. Interesting. So it you got to like identify. Sounds like a good strategy in general. Yeah, you got to identify the market. You know, which takes a lot of. Yeah. Takes some effort. Oh, for sure. Takes some effort. I bet it does. And I've got a couple. Uh, VAs that are working with me right now, so I'm training them to do that stuff. What are they doing? Making the calls? Um, doing comps. Comps takes quite a bit of time. Training one guy. These are part-time guys. Um, How much you paying, by the way? Uh, the one, $3 an hour doing the comps. And the other 4 bucks an hour. Is, are they good? Yeah. Yeah, they're gonna, I think they're going to work out pretty good. Um, I'm just kind of in the training uh, mode right now, but yeah, I think they're, they're going to work out pretty good. Hmm. Yeah. How often do you train them? Uh, the one doing comps, I was training them every day for like an hour. So I'd go to work, and then I'd call them, and then we'd go through, you know, an hour of comps. My slides that I'm supposed to be looking at are sitting right there in front of me. <laughs> so you show them do you, when you train them. Do you uh, do you wa- shadow him and make sure he's doing it correct? Like, how does your training go? Well, to begin with, we did everything together, you know, okay. and then uh, and then once he learned a l- little bit about it, he would go out and find what he considered comps, either the for sales or the sold comps, and he would put them down on a spreadsheet, and then uh, we'd look at them together after he put them all down and determine whether they're actually comps or not. Or There's a lot of nuance to comps. Holy moly. Yeah, that's. I think that's where a lot of wholesalers fail is they uh they don't know how to run comps like they don't know how to analyze the deal yeah yeah i mean that's how you know whether it's a deal or not yeah they, otherwise exactly. you're just guessing because back in the day when me and Corey first started it was you know 70 percent minus repairs minus wholesale fee if you, you know you found that you 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 had a deal you didn't really have to think too much about it but g- finding that 70 percent of arv minus repair minus um wholesale fee good yeah. luck right you know that's hard to find. One so. of the things that I noticed with in, with the land deal is, uh, like calling realtors. That's a really good way to find out what something's worth, because mm-hmm. they know the they know the market like crazy. So you so are that you helped me a lot. Are you nationwide on this? Like, is it just randomly getting leads from different areas, or are you honing in on one market? Well, potentially we can go. We can look anywhere in the nation, mm-hmm. right? But we find the markets and wherever those markets are. We've kind of focused on Georgia, Tennessee, South Carolina. We've sent to Oklahoma, uh, How much Iowa, sent out? Illinois. About ten thousand right now. That's not that much. No, not really. My really, what I want to do is send about a thousand a week. So the last time I sent was probably like four weeks ago. We sent eighteen hundred. So that's kind of how. Not a thousand a week that I'm doing right now. Yeah. But yeah. I want it to be more stable, and that's why I've got to have somebody that's looking at markets like constantly to see what the best market is, so we can send those out every week. Wouldn't your Wouldn't your coach know which uh, are the best markets to go after, or not really? No. No, so, coaches. yeah, they, yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. 
Yes, they could. They like, could. Why don't you just tell me, boy. Bro. Well, that's exactly right. So you know, I don't know either. And on and on these coaching calls, it's like, why don't you just tell me the market? <laughs> and they go, because you're gonna have to do this on your own. You realize that, right? Because I don't know. At some point, you're not gonna have a you're <laughs> not gonna know. have a I've coach. Never done it. You know. Yeah. So you need to learn how to do it yourself. And I just took this course <laughs> that I'm teaching you. <laughs> I think we've all asked that question yeah. of our coaches. Why don't you just tell me uh, what market to get into? <laughs> yeah, and the answer is they all work and they all take a lot of work. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's funny. Well, it's cool that you kind of went into that and you're doing it with a full full time job. Have you thought about hiring a, like a higher level VA? Uh, you that mean like a, a like an American, or just you know someone knows what they're doing already? Yeah, because I've we thought found about some VAs that are really skilled. Well, they're high in level. Like the seven dollar range. If you can get up to seven seven dollars, you're getting very very maybe even more competent than Americans because great English, very intelligent, and they work very hard. Yeah, I've got one right now that's uh, he speaks English. He sounds like you and I. For four bucks, yeah, we got hooked up then. Yeah, but because they can speak good English doesn't doesn't necessarily mean they can get it done. Well, like I, I'll take that's what we're working on right now. Not even the English; to, it's like to figure the, that out. It's just the competence overall. Yeah, Hi, I, I would say high IQ. If you can get someone with a high IQ, high IQ that wants to learn and do it. Because yeah. I I, I, I have a couple of VAs that just they get it. They're awesome. They, yeah, you ask them to do something. They don't come every two seconds. It's better than I would could have done. It really is. Oh, it's, really? It is better. Well, that's yeah. what you wanted. That's it what is. you want to have. And I have a team of people that just do it better. Are these than like me. detailed type type jobs that you're having them do, or do they have to like think on their feet and both and kind of have an imagination type of thing? It's it's detailed. One of the girls that we've we've had her for what six months almost, mm-hmm. maybe longer. I mean, she's incredible. She does. She goes above and beyond. She does stuff that. We don't even ask for. She's great. That's awesome. She's pretty much running Investor Thrive. I would hire somebody like that if I found somebody like that. Well, where'd you, where'd find, you guys we'll find someone? Where'd you guys find them? We right? have a we have a VA uh, placements company. If yeah. you're looking, <laughs> it's gonna start. Hey, that's a really good idea. Maybe I should start that <laughs> <Yeah>. business. <laughs> so, jo- something else to do. We actually <laughs> already have started it. Yeah. Oh, you have? Well, this, let me tell you why. It's part um, of Investor Thrive so, so, offering. Yeah, so Ja, the one who is amazing, um, she ran, she managed um, uh, a VA placement service of 50 virtual assistants before, so she knows how to structure it. So I said, Re- you ready to do it again? So she, she knows how to do it. She knows the right people to hire, how to put them. So she had a VA business where she would? would she, she ran the she VA business for like an American. A, yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. She's like the manager over it. She's, is it, she yeah. Filipino? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she's awesome. She she's like very, I'm telling you, like we're gonna very organized, very pay, detailed. Pace Morby has a business. Um, I think it's called Start Virtual. That does. I think it was like fifteen million dollars in just a vi- virtual assistant business. So I was like, Job, look at his website. We're gonna recreate this, and we're gonna do exactly this. And do she's like, Okay. Do you, we'll guys know, do you guys know the guy who does uh, online? I think I talked to Corey about this online PH. It's a uh, virtual assistant uh, out of the Philippines. He's a guy in Utah here. Mm-mm. I think his name is John Jonas, maybe. I don't, I don't remember you telling me. I don't remember online PH. What does PH stand for? I think Philippines. Philippines. Okay. Yeah, it's the. Yeah, I mean that vir- that virtual assistant gig is 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 legit because I mean really like when me and Corey first started doing virtual assistants like it was a struggle right you had to train him you had to show yeah. him everything and as, as soon as we started hiring and paying a little bit more money it's like they're great employees great because yeah, yeah if you pay our experience we actually have one i think we pay her five keva she's awesome too she's great mm-hmm. she does she does great too but in that three to four range it's really tough to get someone that someone good yeah yeah, so if you got one, you got lucky. But I'm telling you, times. but they'll 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 bail in a second if someone offers them fifty cents more. If it, like you know, so you got to make sure they yeah. like the environment. Right, My, right. The VAs that work with me, I think they l- enjoy the environment they work in because we have meetings and they're just loving it. And I'm having a good time too. Hector knows, right? Well, so. I think you know one of the big one of the big issues with VAs, and it's uh, 
it's really not their issue. It's really like our issue mm-hmm. is they want something stable. They want something that's going to be there not for like two weeks and then be gone. You know, they want something yeah. they can work at for like years and years, you know. Yeah, and what I found with virtual assistants is that they're employees. You got to treat them like employees, like, you know, invite them to team meetings, talk yeah. to them like normal. It's not like just like, hey, I'll talk to you in a week, you know, right. just like involve right. them and, you know, chat with them. That's how I treat them. So I think I think creating that culture for them where they feel like they're a part of the team. Because even like our, our guy, Sean, who lives in Atlanta, like if, you know, people being virtual, they got to feel like they're a part of the team Yeah. or they're just going to fizzle out. Right, right. I think that's what's happened with a couple of our employees that have quit. Like, you know, Jake, it's just like, I think he just stopped coming to work and then, you know, work from home and then fizzled out. Like, you, you really got to, again, if you were not going to have an office, you have to create an environment. Yeah, yeah it's even, uh, yeah, that's a, that's, I think that's a critical thing. Like, I've had some VAs that I didn't, like, communicate with for a few days this back in the day. Mm-hmm. And so you, and you call them up, it's like, well, they're not even there anymore. They're they not. thought... You quit on them, <laughs> you know. That's the reason they thought they needed a they needed a job. Yeah, you know? yeah. So they thought you quit, you know. Yeah. So I have a Discord channel, and I mean, we're talking on the feed, right? The Discord channel. Whenever, whenever some, they need something, they're talking to each other. And I think another thing too is you you can put them in leadership roles too, and they feel you know they can do it, and they they feel like a a better bigger part of the company, you know. And titles again, you know, are important, yeah. right? Like, hey, you're you're not just the virtual assistant; you're the executive to the CEO. You know, right. and that's what Job put that on her uh, signature executive to the CEO, awesome. <laughs> and that just sounds cool. I, that's a know? big, it's a big cultural thing, from what I understand. Yeah, for somebody for somebody in the Philippines to say like, hey, I'm the executive, something, you know, whatever. It's a big cultural yeah. thing. It's important. You got it's, it's important a, to them. It, it feels good to feel important, you know. And yeah. if you need to call, you know, the cold caller, the the head designated closer or whatever. Let come, it come up with your own name. Yeah, yeah. You hey, know. say everybody, everyone choose your yeah, own whatever name. Whatever you want to be. You want me to call me. your president? I, Just I, tell me. I, I, <laughs> My favorite thing is that they call us boss. Yeah. Hey, boss. No, do they? Well, you know, it's funny. So Jaws running the meeting now for the VAs um, in in that, the weekly meetings that we do, and they call her boss. They're like, boss, and she's, she's like, like, don't I made it. <laughs> she's, and and the, the thing is, I, I don't like being called boss. I don't know about I, you. But I, I think it's awesome. Um, it's kind of funny. It's, but yeah, it's just like it's not. I, I, I think they, I don't know. That's just not something that, that happens here. But no, it was funny because last uh, week or two ago, I was like, all right, everybody, everyone choose your titles, whatever you want. And they all were like cracking up, having a great time because they're just like probably doesn't happen very often. And she's like, I want to be the CEO boss. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Jocelyn I said, uh, you are one day. You're going to run this whole how thing. About, how about the COO for now? <laughs> hey, make him the CEO. Who cares? Yeah, go ahead. You're the CEO. <laughs> you run. You got you to work 24-7, yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, really. No going to sleep. <laughs> so have you guys thought about making uh, partners is not the right word, but giving them percentages? You just paying the hourly? Everybody so hourly? We, we do hourly, and then I say for my coaching business, anyone that signs up, I'll give you a percentage. Anyone signs up for the mastermind, so... I'm help hooking them up on that. Uh, when it comes to the the real estate business, I think you know you pay them a commission. Yeah, and then there's commissions. Are they doing commission work? So you're in ours, these people, yeah. yeah, both sides, yeah. Because yeah. okay. I have setters in in the investor yeah. tribe business. They yeah. have you know um, lead managers, closers, acquisition guys. Yeah. So you guys think you're right where you want to be with VAs? Like I think you don't think it can probably get any better. Like you're, because I'm thinking it can get better. It can get better from what I'm doing. Uh, I think I have the great. Well, I have a great team might on my end. Be able to get better, but our better right now is that. like ten times better than like, what you're dealing with. Like I can see it being better. You guys don't really see it getting better. Yeah, if you want, I mean, it could. I, I mean, can, you could find better people. I'm sure, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, you could always find someone better. But where you're at, based off like what we've done in the past, just my guessing yeah. is that you're like probably ten levels below where. RVAs are at. These are better than Sounds I'm like telling I may, you. May need to <laughs> you need to sign up for Investor Thrive. Re, regroup. <laughs> you sign up for Investor Thrive. Hey, do, op- do, o- <laughs> do you have an opening in your coaching? <laughs> Getting some VAs. Yeah, no. I mean, if you're interested, I can. What she does is great. She just lines up three interviews and she sends you their calls, like their recordings, so you can see how they sound. And then you interview them. And if you want to keep any of them, then you hire them. Right. right. So right. It's, you're able to. 
do your due diligence. Um, but it's interesting because, like I said, uh, it, it makes a world of a difference, like hiring the right people. And that's what I've learned from watching and learning from a lot of these mentors is, like, these guys didn't get there alone. They got there because they were able to. Right. I think Jason Lewis, I heard he runs his whole team through they virtual le- assistants. They leverage other people. They got to. You, you've got to be Can't great. You've got to be great. You've got to be great at that or you're not going to ever go very far. I mean, you can do pretty pretty well on your own with a couple of people that, but if you really want to like make some money and leverage your business, you got to have like great people working for you. Yeah, I've just seen too many businesses now where the guy that you think runs the whole thing, he's he's got everybody running everything, and he's the face. You know. Yeah. He's just find out he doesn't even know what's going on. Well, that's really what you. <laughs> I mean, I've been I've been watching some podcasts and reading some books and stuff, and um, you guys probably know. Who Dan Sullivan? Oh, I know Corey does. Dan Sullivan is with Strategic who Coach. Who not how? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Who, who not how? Anyway, uh, one of the things that he talks about is you really want. You became an entrepreneur, not to like do everything. Mm-hmm. It was typically you've got uh, ideas on stuff that you want to do, and if you try to do it all to make those things happen, mm-hmm. you don't like have enough time in your lifetime no. to do it. You, you got to get other people to do the, the work, basically. Yeah. To be able to do the other thing that you thought about doing, you know, so you can go from business to business and have somebody else doing it. And that's what gets me thinking about companies that really want to build and grow. They they raise capital, right? They go and do rounds of funding so they can hire high-level talent, and that's how they build and grow. And, you know, when we started, we started with zero dollars, and we tried to build by making... Everything was zero dollars. Everything was zero dollars, but it sounds like the... You know what, though? Let me tell you something about zero dollars. It has its benefit. <laughs> you earn your stripes right there. Well, one of the mistakes that I made is like I had money. Mm-hmm. So it's it's you don't have the level of desperation mm. for one thing. That's true. And then it's always easy to like throw money at it. So it was easy like when we weren't when we weren't selling any of the houses we had under contract. Well, I had money that I could just keep buying more and more letters, you know, mm-hmm. and not really looking at or we, you know, is what we're doing the right thing to do or not? That's true. So we could just keep throwing money at it. That does make so sense. That does make you sense. You know, having money is not necessarily a solution to your all your problems. Well, sometimes that, it's nice, but no, that that's great that you said that because I, you know, I was in the mindset like we just need to hire, you know, make just throw more money at it. But you're right, you could get in trouble by just being like, you know, what you probably needed was the right person help you solve yeah. a certain problem yeah that and the right mindset my mindset shouldn't have been like i can solve my problems with money should have been i can solve my problems by figuring out what the problem is yeah. and fixing the problem no 100 percent. i agree with you on that yeah. so yeah, anyway i like that quote by benjamin franklin he's like if i had an hour to solve a problem i'd spend 55 minutes like framing the problem and trying to understand yeah. the problem. Wasn't that Abraham Lincoln that said, Sharp, if I had to chop, tr- chop a tree down, I would spend you know seven hours. If I had ten hours, I'd spend nine hours sharpening it and then one hour yeah, chopping. That's a ver- version of the same. Yeah. Same, same yeah, they're all, I, they're, yeah. I didn't know if Brand Franklin said that. They're all just copying each other now. <laughs> yeah, really. Hey, that quote, I like that quote, but maybe I can tweak it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I like and, that one. And now that quote is mine. Exactly. <laughs> Every president's got their own. Right, version so, of it. But hey, anyway, I don't know how long we've gone, but it's been a great chat that we've had, and I think yeah, we've covered. For on. Yeah, we've covered a lot yeah, of great topics. Fun. It's yeah, been fun. Yeah, hope to have you back another time. See how the land's going. Once I sell those, I'll let you guys know. Once yeah. I make twenty five k on each of them, take us go. out or you know roost Chris on that dime. There we go. There we go. <laughs> but yeah, I'll send no. you guys some McDonald's coupons. Oh, now you're talking. Some Popeye's chicken coupons. <laughs> but, you know, it's been great having you on here. Thanks for kind of showing us uh, the, the way, you know, getting started. And, and it's been it's been great. It's hey, been it's great fun watching here. you guys uh, be successful, too, for uh, for a sh- short time there. I was worried about you guys. <laughs> now, I'm, now, I'm less, now I'm less worried. Well, well I appreciate it. When, when, when were you worried? A week ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, probably I've always been worried. <laughs> I've yeah. always been worried on some level. Yeah, that's but, okay. It's but, good. You know, yeah, you guys are killing it. So we're trying I'm prou- to. I'm proud of you guys. Thanks. Thank you. And, and you know, the good work. Yes, yeah. I did teach everything you know. So that's right. That's yeah. yeah, I mean, what what we've learned and what Investor Five Nation needs to know is, you just don't give up. You just keep going. You know, it's consistent action. 
Gotta keep going. And it's the la- the lack of action is usually pr- probably what gets you where you're not one. You know, gets you nowhere. Yeah, yeah I was thinking about you know you gotta have you gotta have uh, you gotta d- decide you gotta commit to you know you're gonna do it, mm-hmm. but you also probably gotta have somebody else that's gonna help you like be there to keep you committed. Yeah, you know, it's hard to do it on your own. That's why you I know, think so as a partnership, have a, have a coach or yeah. a partner or somebody that's gonna say, "Hey, you know what? You told me to tell you like when you st- wanted to stop doing it, you were never gonna stop. So here I'm telling you, yeah, you know, like, like get going, at, you know, get after it because you can be successful. You know, if you just never stop. Yeah, I agree. That's that's why coaches. I mean, I, I think people get into coach do coaching because they think it's gonna be the solution to get them, you know. W- everything right but it's not like the recipe it's a piece of it it's a piece yeah it's a piece of it. it's kind of a critical piece of it too you know it's yeah. not it's not like a small piece it's a critical piece that they can help you i was just reading uh, i was reading another book actually dan, dan sullivan was one and you know a lot of times as entrepreneurs we kind of look at you know like this is where i want to go you know mm-hmm. i want to be making a million bucks a month you know wholesaling you know or whatever the number is right and you're always looking at that million bucks a month and you're always like disappointed because you're not making a million bucks a month. <laughs> yeah. Well, what he talked about was, you know, stop looking at the million bucks a month. Look at where you started from. Oh God. And look at like how far you've come. Yeah. And that gives you energy and that kind of gets you excited about moving forward instead of always looking and looking at the million bucks a month or whatever your goal is and, and being disappointed or being upset or irritated I, or whatever. You know? I, I yeah. agree with that statement 100% because I think we're always trying to strive for that goal. Right. And you don't really realize that, you know, two years ago, me and Corey were kicking a squatter out of a house, you know. Um, True. So it's just crazy that. Those are awesome yeah. stories, though. Or, yeah. or, or, for example, last Friday, I interviewed Jerry Norton on my podcast. Yeah. And two years ago, we were sitting in his uh, fast track program, Paid just paid him. Right. To, to to teach us and now you know i'm able to interview him and you know we have a good relationship and i help him out right. and he helps me out so it's it's crazy right when you right. look back at that you're like right that's sweet if you look back you're thinking well back three or four years ago you had no idea there was no chance you were ever going to talk to that guy yeah you know or that you're going to be in his network exactly yeah. yeah so it's all about leveling up and i think everybody investor thrive nation needs to know like you said you know don't don't always focus on the end goal. You know, look back and see where you've come to, and appreciate the journey. Appreciate the progress that you've made, you know. Pat yourself on the back and then get back to work. That's it. That's it. All right. Well, thanks, guys. All right. Thanks. It's been fun.